Hey crew, I'm Cam Explains, and this is Run the Block, the first show that's bringing together coaches, podcasters, and local business owners to innovate and collaborate, because I think there's crazy crossover that no one is talking about between these three amazing groups, from lessons learned to finding untapped and potential new revenue stream. Our goal is to help you get more subs, customers, clients, and more using the perfect formula of know-how, storytelling, and kindness. So you too can easily create content that converts, add more cash to the bank, lift up your community, and ignite your biz without being stuck in no man's land ever again. Anyways, uh, welcome in Justin Green. You are the owner of Be Wealthy Coach. You are a CFO and financial advisor for online coaches. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today on Run the Block. Thanks for having me, Cam. And uh, it's exciting. We're recording today, but I actually just dropped the podcast uh, with you and Michael as well today. So just funny timing. Absolutely. So if you guys uh, haven't checked out Justin's podcast, obviously terrible marketing 101 to tell people as soon as they start listening to something to jump to something else. But after this episode- Don't do it. Don't, do it. don't tell them. We'll tell them at the end. You got to watch okay. till the end. We'll hold it for the end. Oh man, see, there you go. You're getting good at marketing. There you go. Leave them, leave them one more. I thought we would. Uh, I thought we would dive into something that I came across um, on your profile, and I thought this was super interesting. And you view mentorships a little different than most people, and you went as far to say as mentorships, uh, things along those lines, should possibly be viewed as expenses versus an investment, because that that's a common tactic, right? Everyone's like, well, if you don't invest in yourself, right, you're never going to go anywhere. You're not going to 10x your business, your life whatever it is, like, you know, Tony Robbins uses it, you know, all the way down to, you know, the online marketer. So why why should people be viewing it as an expense versus an investment? Yeah, so all those people you just mentioned that use that line, they have something to sell you. And they're using that line precisely when they're trying to sell you. It's hard for me because I, I do actually agree that you should invest in yourself. And so I have to sit with two very uncomfortable truths at the same time. And that's kind of a lot of what I have to do in the finance uh, field. And so the reason I think it could be an expense and it probably is an expense for most coaches is that they're overspending to make these decisions and they're not getting the results or maybe on their own end, they're not applying the information they're learning to then turn it into an investment, right? To get a return on the money that they're spending. They're just hopping from program to program to program, trying to get all this new information, but they never take the time to apply it, which is how you actually get a return on the investment. So it's just something I have to kind of confront coaches with because I think it's easy to hide behind the fact that you are quote unquote investing in your business or in yourself. And the reality is, is you're going broke while doing that. And I'll tell you an example. I had a coach reach out to me a couple months ago, and I, I thought it was on the post you're talking about, but it was a very similar one. And and the that one was in your face. It said, coaches, you're not investing in your business. You're overspending. Very similar, right? And she reached out because she said, hey, I think that's me. And so I got on a call with her and I talked to her, a really smart coach, and her revenue is growing year after year. Uh, she's in a really good spot. She was doing about, she probably did about 160 in revenue in 2022. I think that was up from like 120 in 2021. Uh, but her profit went from about 50,000 in 2021 down to about 19,000 in 2022. And the problem with that is that she was also increasing her debt. 
And now she was having a hard time paying herself because she's a younger coach. Um, she doesn't have another source of income to rely on. So she does need to take some money out of the business to pay her own personal bills. Um, she's actually very frugal. So it was a very reasonable number that she needed to pay herself. But I would, I would say most coaches can't live off of 20000 especially if you're in a, a major city. Um, and so her profit went down to 20000 And the main reason when we looked at um, the numbers, there was two reasons. But one of the main ones was her education costs. And so it's just easy to justify it and say, well, you know, I need to grow. I need to scale. That may not be what's helping you. That may actually be the one thing that's holding you back from growing and scaling. And that may keep you broke as a coach. Well, so correct me if I'm wrong there, even just talking about like the educational peach, peach piece, because peach. I know like certain times a year, people will be like, oh, well, you need to invest this because it'll now be a write-off for you, right? And so then they frame their education or their mentorship, like, well, you need to spend that money. But th that's not that's not the case, right? Especially um, if you have something like an LLC, right? Which I, I know you've went through extensive links of explaining, but like it's not always just a write-off and it's it's not the actual amount, right? It's a, it's a percentage technically of what you, you spend. So a really cool thing about owning a business, the tax code is written in our favor. There are so many opportunities to save money on your taxes by being a business owner. And one of them is education. So most likely if you're investing in a program, a mentor, any sort of education that will help you as a business owner, um, and you can get pretty... I mean, that's pretty vague, right? Like there's a lot of things you can do to help you improve as a business owner. So a lot of these would be uh, what's called a quote unquote write-off. The problem is, is the misunderstanding of what a write-off is. To write something off, you do not need to be an LLC. You could be what's called a sole proprietor, which just means you operate as Justin Green. That's the business. Um, we can dive into that later on, but you don't need to be an LLC. You can write it off whether you're a sole proprietor or you're an LLC. The problem with a write-off is it's not one for one. That's what kind of confuses people. And when you hear people saying, invest in this program, you can write it off. They're most likely doing it at the end of the year because what's happening is people are getting to the end of the year and they're realizing like, oh, shoot, I've got a tax bill coming up. How do I reduce my taxes? Okay, you reduce your taxes by writing things off. However, if you write off, let's say $1,000, you do not reduce your taxes by $1,000. So I'm going to repeat that. If you have a $1,000 write-off, I paid Cam $1,000 to learn about how to market. I do not save $1,000 on taxes. It's more like a discount. And the rate that you're saving is actually what's called your effective tax rate. So everyone, the U.S. has a very complicated tax system. Uh, you'll fall into one of the brackets and that'll be what's called your marginal tax bracket. But then what you actually pay, like what your actual tax liability is divided by your total revenue is what's called your effective tax rate. So let's say you're at 20% effective tax rate. If you spend $1,000, that means you've saved $200. Effectively, after tax, you're paying $800. So it's really important to understand because while that's extremely beneficial, if it's something you do need in your business, um, if it's something you didn't necessarily need, but you just want to buy that because it would save you on taxes, well, that's bad math, right? Spending $1,000 just to save $200, 
that's pretty bad math. And so that's where the problem becomes, um, yes, write-offs are really good and really beneficial and you can get creative in many situations with what you're writing off. But if you're spending money that you don't have to spend, this is where the issue comes into play of, okay, you can write as much as you want off, but if you don't actually have money in your accounts, when it goes to zero and you run out of money, do you know what happens? The business um, can't yeah, keep going. Business. <laughs> <laughs> like, right, like, yeah, you can take out debt and et cetera, obviously, like there, there's options, but eventually when you, you exhaust all those options, if you run out of money, you don't have a business. And that's why I'm so passionate about educating coaches on how to manage the money in their business because I think what they're doing is really important and I think they're doing really great work for their clients. But if, if their bank account goes to zero, you can't help anyone. Yeah. I mean, as coaches, we're very passionate, right? Health coaches, especially, you know, fitness, nutrition, health and wellness mindset, right? They just want to help people. And so then when the finances come around or what's coming in versus what's going out, we're like, ah, I don't know. I think I can charge like, you know, people 30 bucks, you know, and, and try to get a hundred people in. And you start like doing the math. You're like, do, do you realize that's, that's no money. Like you're not making anything. Every but coach gets into business because they help, they, they like helping people. Right. And that's one of the awesome thing about coaches. And it doesn't matter if you're a fitness coach, a marketing coach, sales coach, like you're helping someone. Right. But you could help someone as a hobby. If you didn't want to make money, that's the reality. If you're going to do it as a business, you really need to take the time to learn how to manage the money in your business. So that way you can help more people. Um, and if you tie it back to that, then it, it kind of keeps you more motivated, right? Like if you know that you have this like responsibility and obligation to manage your money because it allows you to help more people and have more impact, then that's a little bit more motivating than just being like, I just want to be a, a greedy profit mongering coach. No problem with that if that's what you want to do, but it probably won't work out well for you. Yeah, might, might be a little different business model. Well, kind of curious then, you know, because I know a little bit of your background, but like why why did you decide to help coaches, especially like online? You know, is Cam. Like, <laughs> our muscles that would just like, I, I'm, I'm made for video. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not. I was really skinny coming out of high school and I got into fitness probably about like 10 years ago. And then... Um, I went and I sold some cheerleading uniforms for a couple of years in Kansas. So I'm from the Northeast. I grew up in a very small, low income uh, town in Northern New York. And uh, I, I kind of was like the black sheep in a good way in my family. So I was the first to go to college and I went off and got a really, really useful sport management degree. Um, and so got done with college. I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? Uh, got a sports marketing job out in Kansas that actually just meant I was selling cheerleading uniforms to youth teams. Um, super glamorous, I know. And so while I was there, I actually knew nothing about personal finance or money in general before that. I didn't grow up around the stock market. Um, the only thing I learned growing up was that we were paycheck to paycheck. And this is a topic we can get into later. But um, my dad owned a business for a little while. I guess entrepreneurial things kind of in the family. Um, but he had a ninth grade edu ed education and he really botched the tax situation when he was hiring people. So the IRS came knocking and said, Hey, you owe us a bunch of money. I think it was probably like 70, 80 grand when I was in middle school. And that pretty much was just like game over. There's like, there's no money in the bank to pay that. Um, and then unfortunately he, he ended up being disabled a couple of years later. And so 
I think he still probably owes that money if the IRS is listening. Um, but you know, so I went out and, um, started learning about this on my own while I was in Kansas selling these cheerleading uniforms. And I was like, all right, cheerleading uniforms, probably not going to cut it for the rest of my life. What do I want to do? And so I was at this path. I was like, all right, I got two passions, fitness and finance. Like which one of these do I want to pursue as a career? And which one do I want to keep as my passion? And ultimately I decided, um, obviously finance. And I was like, I'm just going to keep fitness my passion. I had heard stories, and this was probably like 2016, 2015, 2016, a little bit before online, but I guess it was a thing because I just recently found a piece of paper where I listed out all these like terrible names for a training business. Um, but ultimately I decided I'm going to pursue finance and keep fitness my passion because I'd heard a lot of people, they get burnt out when they were in the fitness industry and then they like stop working out themselves and it's just, it was too important for me. I didn't want to lose that because the family I come from, like working out has significantly benefited me and I've avoided many of the risks that have been in my family. So ultimately that's what I decided. And then when I launched my own firm about 18 months ago, I was like, Hmm, I don't really want to work with retirees. Maybe I uh, just start helping these coaches that I've been following online anyways. And I really love the business finance side as well, because as an entrepreneur myself, I dive into all that. Um, so that's a really long answer to why I help online coaches. No, but it, it makes sense. It, it ties it all together because obviously possibly experiencing, you know, what your dad had to go through, even though at the time didn't, didn't put two and two together. Right. And then you go into sports management and you're selling things and then trying to figure things out and then ultimately make the decision. Like, dude, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's powerful. Definitely glad you're on our side. In retrospect, it's like, oh, wow, I really liked the accounting class I took in college, and I really liked the microeconomics class. Like, huh, in retrospect, maybe I maybe I should have thought about that back then. <laughs> maybe I was into the finance more than I realized. Yeah. Listen listen to your gut, follow that intuition a little bit. Yeah. Man, what, what were you thinking? <laughs> uh, now, you know, speaking, we've, we've talked about business accounts a little bit, um, but at what point do we start separating as a coach, you know, especially being online, it's it's maybe not so black and white. You we mentioned LLCs, which we can get into in a little bit. Difference of you know, LLC sole proprietor and those things. But when do we start separating personal and business finances? Because that that can be a little tricky, right? And and because you are the business owner, you know, you're taking money out of all the accounts or doing different things. Or well, what's an actual business expense? Like, how do you start separating those? Anyway. Yeah, you need to do it from day one. Um, and the first step is. Uh, all right. So if you're a sole proprietor, you're not going to be able to get a business bank account. So let me just clarify that. But you should still operate as if you have a business bank account. So just go open a new personal bank account and treat it as a business bank account. You won't have all the legal separation, the legal, uh, it won't free you of the legal liability and, and stuff like that. Um, if you establish an LLC, an LLC does nothing for your taxes. A lot of people think like, oh, I'm going to go get an LLC because it's going to save me on taxes. It actually has nothing to do with your taxes. An LLC is limited liability corporation, company. Um, limited liability is the key term there, right? And the reason that's so important is when you establish an LLC, you've created what's called an entity. An entity creates the business and it plops it over here and treats it separate from personal Justin over here. And the reason that's so important is because if somebody sues my business, they don't have access to what's in my personal 
wealth over here, right? My house, my car, my type of my um, investment accounts, etc. They're suing the business. They're suing, you know, be a wealthy coach LLC over here. Now, when you do that, you're actually required to separate your finances. So if you have an LLC and you're listening and you haven't done this, like if you don't listen to anything else and laugh at my funny jokes, then at least separate your business and personal bank accounts. Go get an EIN from the IRS. It's free. It takes like five minutes online. Uh, um, skip through the first couple because they're probably trying to sell you on the service. Don't pay for it. It's free and it's pretty simple. Um, get an EIN. You'll need that. You'll need the LLC paperwork. And then you can go open a business bank account. Um, I'm not affiliated with them, but I really like Novo. They're an online business bank account because um, they're more of like the, the technology behind it I really like and allows you to kind of separate your cash flows. Uh, but we can get into that later on. That's what you want to do if you're an LLC to separate your business and personal. Now, to your point, even if you do that, and if you need to live off the money you're making while coaching, it gets a little messy, right? There's a lot of overlap. Like, is this a personal expense? Is this a business expense? The best advice that I could give you, or the best recommendation I could give you, because we're not giving advice on here, because go consult with your financial advisor. There's my disclaimer. Um, the best recommendation that I could give you is to treat everything in the business as business and then pay yourself. So transfer the money from the business to your personal account. And then you purchase personal things over there. You pay your rent, you know, your car payment, your groceries, etc. What I often see is like, oh, I accidentally bought my groceries on the business account or I accidentally bought my Starbucks on the business account, et cetera. No, 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 don't do that. If that's like one thing you take away, it's just stop doing that, right? The business finances should be very data dependent. We want those those books, which is like the data, as clean as possible, right? Because I want to be able to look at that and easily say like, okay, your profit margins are this or, you know, on X month, you're creating X amount of cash flow, right? When it comes to business, it should be a system and it should be heavily dependent on data. You should be making decisions based on your financial data. Okay, that's really robotic and really, really boring. And I get that. When you switch over to your personal finances, like data's out the window, right? Numbers matter, but this is much more about you as a human being, right? What are your goals? What are your dreams? What's your lifestyle? Like, do you want to travel around the world when you're 40 and retire? Um, do you want to work less now? Like, that's where things get really vision-oriented and like, okay, but we have to use the numbers from the business. So we need really good numbers to then say like, okay, here's what you can do in your personal life or here's what you need to do in the business to allow you to do X, Y, and Z in your personal life. And so that's like the biggest difference. I, I, I consider... Business is very data dependent, very structured. It should operate like a machine. And then it should feed into your personal life. So even something like you mentioned coffee or maybe Amazon, um, you're saying like, say, you know, you're not making much money. Maybe it's like two, 3,000, right? Maybe you're just starting up this business and that's per month. So it's probably not enough to say like, oh my, I'm going to pay myself, you know, 3,000 a month. You're saying say you have $300 in that business account and you want to make that expense, it's better just to transfer money to your personal and then make that expense versus 
spin that and then try to justify that on a receipt like, oh, coffee with myself because I thought about my business. Yeah, and, you know, like, you can get creative with what you write off. Coffee is one of those. If you're working at a coffee shop and you have to buy coffee to use the Wi-Fi, deductible. But if you're just going there to work and you buy coffee, debatable, right? Like, when it comes to writing things off, you have to be able to justify it if the IRS audits you. Um, and so there's a risk tolerance that comes into play here. There's obviously very clear what's legal, what's not legal, and then there's a lot of gray area. So be really good at record keeping, right? So this is really good for if you, you know, let's say, all right, so this is a common scenario, husband and wife in a business, right? There's two sole owners and they're going to go, they're just going to go out to dinner, right? They're going to Chipotle. They talked about business. Is that a write-off? Is it not? Technically, yeah, it could be. Take some notes. What'd you talk about? So if the IRS audits you, you can be like, yeah, Chipotle was a business expense because, you know, my wife and I, who are co-owners in this business, we talked about X, Y, and Z. Here's my notes from that day. Will you win? Will you not win? I don't know. It'll be up to the regulator. But you actually have a pretty good ground to stand on in that argument. Like, no, we talked about business and I have the notes from that, right? So good record keeping receipts and notes, especially education, conferences, anything like that, where it's like learning, take some notes so you can justify like, no, this was necessary for my business and this was helpful. And so that's really important to understand is like everything just comes down to being able to justify it to the IRS. So I know you should totally do segments called deductible versus debatable. That would be fire. That's why you get paid the big bucks for marketing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you said it. I was just bringing us back to that because <laughs> that, that would be interesting segments where like, you know, just different scenarios. Hey, coffee at Starbucks. Dr. Moore, debatable. Well, let's look at it. Exactly. Trying to, try to know, make your money I while think... we're here, man. <laughs> the Your original question was like the difference between business and personal. And I do just want to also highlight, I like, so my background was always on the personal wealth side. Um, I really enjoyed the business finances. I really enjoyed talking about business and doing that. And so eventually I kind of pivoted and started helping online coaches with their business finances as well. Um, but it's still my mission to help coaches like get really good at the business finances so they can translate that into personal wealth. Um, and I think that is a step that a lot of people are missing because ultimately when you're building a business, there's like two options, right? You're building a business that you want to sell in the future. And so it's a liquidity event. Your coaching business probably isn't that. I've heard of a few coaches who have been able to sell it. It's a little weird to be honest, because it's really highly dependent on like your personality. And maybe if you have a larger team, maybe as the industry matures, that will be a thing where acquisitions happen more often. Right now, it's just not like a huge opportunity. So the second option is like, okay, you get it running really smoothly and you milk the cash flow from it and then you turn that into personal wealth. So whether that's, you know, you go invest in real estate, the stock market, um, whatever it is, you know, another business, you know, laundromats, whatever cool thing on TikTok is, you know, the greatest rave, whatever it is, like that's kind of what you're looking to do because ultimately like that's the end goal is you should be building wealth on your personal side to give you more flexibility to pursue whatever it is you want to pursue in the future. Would that be something that you're saying that just out of the money you're able to make from the business? Or is that something that 
I don't know how many businesses you work that are at that level, but if if somebody has that, um, sorry, someone's ringing my doorbell. Uh, if somebody has that type of cash flow, is that something the business is able to do? Like, is the business able to, you know, take out X percentage and then be able to invest in other things like that? Or is that like just a whole complicated mess with other LLCs or? or I mean, technically, technically you can, it's probably not going to make the most sense, but it's dependent on your personal situation. Um, but technically you could, like you can have an investment account opened under the LLC. It's just probably not going to make the most sense. To be honest with you, it really just depends ultimately on what's your goal. Um, what are you building? If you're building more of like a solopreneur business, probably won't make sense. Got it. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about, because we've been bouncing around this and you've mentioned a couple already, but but metrics. Like what what are the, the common metrics you have people track, especially online coaches? Um, I, I, I Again, I don't know the average person that comes to you. I know the average person that comes to us. They're just like, oh yeah, no, I, I, this is what my coaching brings in. And it's like, okay, cool. Like what are your expenses? And they just like, <laughs> will get you sideways. Right. And they're like, oh, you know, I don't know. I just got like 400 left in my bank account. So w- what are the common metrics you actually have people track? Um, even if they're just starting from, from scratch. Yeah. So first thing is, is like, you can't track any metrics if you're not tracking the numbers. Right. So you have to back up a step. If you're not doing any bookkeeping, which essentially just means categorizing your income and your expenses. If you're not doing that, then we have to back up there because I can't I can't see anything. I have no insights on the real data and the numbers that are just going to be messy, right? So we have to start there. We have to go backwards, clean that mess up, and then get a system in place for you to track this moving forward. And you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can do it in a spreadsheet, which I really don't recommend because very few percent of people love spreadsheets and you're probably not an online coach if that's you. Maybe it is. Maybe it works for you. I say just spend a couple bucks and get QuickBooks, which is like the industry standard. If you really don't want to spend, you can get Wave, which is a free online tool. Uh, But with these, you can link your bank accounts, so it'll save you so much time. It's already an annoying task for most business owners, so make it as easy as possible to do for you, right? And the spreadsheet is not going to be the easiest way. So either get QuickBooks, Wave, whatever it is, link your bank account so all your transactions flow through. Once you do that, and now we categorize everything, what we're going to be looking at is a profit and loss report. I prefer monthly because I just think businesses change too frequently nowadays, especially online businesses. Um, But a profit and loss is basically just going to break down your revenue, which is at the top, which is what most coaches are tracking, right? 10k months like i want to do 20k months or you know whatever it is and um that's what they're tracking right so we're gonna take revenue at the top because it's an online service business um we don't really need to talk too much about cost of goods sold technically you could do like cost of service so maybe like contractors but we're not going to get into the weeds of that so just take revenue at the top minus your expenses and then you get what's called your profit your net income And one, that's really important because you're going to need that number when you need to file your taxes, right? Two, it's also really important because it now shows you what can you actually take out of the business, right? What is actually available at the end of each month after your expenses? Because I've seen a lot of coaches who are really, really good at making money. So they might do 10K, 20K, 30K months. 
Um, they're also really, really, really good at spending money, right? So there's not really anything left over at the end of the month. So, you know, it's really cool to be able to brag about 30K months on, you know, Instagram. But if there's no money left over at the end of the month, it's not really helping you or your business. And you're kind of just like one catastrophe away from shutting the doors. So profit is one that we're going to look at. Now, a lot of people measure this differently, right? So if you came to me, Cam, and I was like, hey, what's your profit? And you're like, oh, it's 30%. I actually have to like dive into the numbers to know more, right? Because some people might just take their profit and say, oh, at the end of the month, I made, let's say you do 10K a month, you have 3K in expenses. So you're like, I have 7,000, that's profit. We haven't really accounted for what you need to pay yourself yet because you are the only employee and you should really consider like, what do you owe yourself as a reasonable salary? Is it 30,000, 50,000, whatever? So a lot of coaches might take that and be like, I'm 70% profitable. And I actually was making that mistake early on too when I was talking to coaches. But really you should boil in like, what are you what do you need to pay yourself? What should you reasonably be paying yourself? And then subtract that as an expense and then see what's still left over, right? Because if you don't ever pay yourself, if you say you're 70% profitable, that feels really good. Like that feels really, really good. But what if after you account for needing to pay yourself six grand a month, you realize I'm only 10% profitable. That's still good but it's not 70%, right? So it's one understanding, like, how are you getting to this metric and making sure that you're kind of comparing apples to apples, which is why metrics are for you to compare to yourself, right? I don't compare my profit to Cam's profit. I compare my profit to last month's profit to last year's profit, et cetera, right? I'm really just, I'm comparing to my own business to make sure I'm getting more efficient and that things are trending in the right way. Because if I'm looking at my profit each month and I see that things are, it's going down each month. Now you should never make decisions based on one month of data. You want to look at trends. But if I'm looking and my profits going down for the last three, four, five months, like I probably need to make a change in my, my business. Maybe I need to um, get rid of one of my contractors. Maybe I hired too soon. So my expenses are going up. So even though my revenue is growing, my expenses are growing at a faster rate. So profit's a really good one um, that you you should definitely be tracking. Expenses, um, I like to track the cost of labor because realistically you could do all the work yourself and, and be in pretty good shape. But if you're going to be hiring and you start hiring, I like to track like what's the cost of labor as a percentage to revenue, right? So kind of you can measure how efficient your contractors are, your W-2 employees are by seeing like, okay, what's the percentage of those compared to my overall revenue, right? None of these have like, this is what you're aiming for, but they're all metrics. So you can kind of look when things don't feel right, you can look and see like, oh, the data is there to support it. You know what I mean? Um, you'll have a pretty good feel on your business. Like when, when you're feeling anxious, then there's probably something broken with the data need to go back and look and maybe it's because your labor costs are way too high. You've all of a sudden you start outsourcing everything. You don't have the leads coming in. So your revenues dropped a little bit, but you're still paying those costs. Okay. That's going to hurt. Um, those are two of the big ones that I would say to, um, that you want to follow. And then the third one is actually, it's not a metric, but 
you should be projecting out your cash flow. And the reason this is different than your profit is that if you've taken on any debt, that can really hurt your cash flow because here's what happens. Let's say I've got, let's say I launched in 2021 and I accrued $10,000 on a credit card. And that's fine. You know, when people launch businesses, we don't all live in this perfect dream world where we have significant amount of money to launch a business, right? So maybe you use like a 0% interest credit card in 2021 that ended in 2022, you're still carrying that $10,000 balance, right? All the expenses you put on that credit card, they were deductible in 2021. So you probably had a pretty low tax bill because you deducted all 10,000. Guess what? Now it's 2022. When you make a payment on that credit card, it's not deductible. So it's not going to show up in your profit and loss, right? So it might look like you made 7,000 that month, but you also need to account for maybe the $500 payment you had to make on the credit card. Not deductible in 2022, but you still have to make the payments and it still comes out of your cash flow, right? So the, the third thing to be looking at is like projecting your cash flow to make sure that, you know, even if you're profitable, do you have a significant strain on your cash flow, which is just the money coming in and out of your bank accounts? Um, and is that going to affect your ability to meet obligations, pay bills, pay yourself, et cetera. Um, so those are the ones. And then honestly, this is a, a metric outside of your business, but I would look at what does it take? You need to have a baseline number for what do you need to live off of, right? Because the number one thing that will tank your business is not going to be business expenses. It's going to be how much do you need to take out of the business to live on personally? Because you could run a coaching business pretty lean, you know, but if you need to withdraw $10,000 a month to live off of in your personal life from day one, you're going to have a hard time doing that. 